Hey there, Disney Cruise fans, it's Wes. I want to quickly tell you about the summer promotion that my travel agency is offering for Disney Cruise Line. If you book a new cruise and travel by September 30th, you'll be eligible for $50 in onboard credit on top of our already great rates. And if it's a cruise for seven nights or longer, you'll get an extra $100 in onboard credit. If you're planning to cruise this summer, you don't want to miss out on this offer. Of course, if you're looking to book a cruise further into the future, I would love to help you with that as well. If you're interested, or if you'd like more information, send me an email at wes at mickeyworldtravel.com. And now, on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 140 of the DCL Dude Podcast. My name is Wes, and today I am very excited to talk to you about the next topic in the DCL 101 series, booking your cruise. If you've noticed, I've sort of been doing these in order. So in the first episode, we talked about all the things that are included in the cost of your Disney cruise. I feel like when you're you're weighing different options against one another and kind of trying to decide how you're going to spend your, your vacation dollars, it's kind of logical to want to know what you're going to be getting for your money. So that's why we did that episode. Then once you've decided that a Disney cruise might be right for you, you probably will want to know a little bit about the ships, especially if you're a, a brand, you know, if you're brand new to cruising or if you've uh, only been on one or two of them. Those are both important foundation topics for what we are going to talk about today. I'm going to go through some common questions that I get from people who are booking their first cruise and offer some tips that might be helpful to get you to the point where you're ready to book your next cruise. So one question that I get very often is, when is the best time to book a Disney cruise? And really, to keep it very simple, the answer is as early as possible. Disney Cruise Line is not like other cruise lines that may offer discounts and incentives after you book your cruise that you know can be applied to your existing reservation. In fact, in all the years I've been following Disney Cruise Line and working as a travel planner and going on my own cruises, there has been one time that I can remember that Disney Cruise Line has offered a promotion that could be applied to an existing reservation. And that was the Disney Plus promotion that they ran at the beginning of 2022. <laughs> and I remember when that came out i i remember thinking that i was shocked that they that they were uh that that they were doing this promotion there was some speculation at the time about why they ran that promotion but the common consensus was one to try to offer an incentive to push people to subscribe to disney plus i think i think i remember their their subscriber numbers being down a little bit or something like that so i i think there was some thinking that this was a way that they could uh increase those subscribers uh and two to try to regenerate interest in cruising after the covid restart so you know everything had been shut down and the cruise industry was starting to pick back up and i think this was another way to try to get people to to book cruises regardless of the reason that was the only promotion um i have seen disney cruise line run and so As a general rule, pricing for a Disney cruise is the lowest it's ever going to be on opening day. After that, the price will either stay the same or go up, so you you don't have to worry about booking too early and finding a, a lower price later on. 
Now, you might be asking, but Wes, I see Disney Cruise Line running special offers all the time for like 25% off the cost of a cruise, 35% off the cost of a cruise. Yes, that's true, but those offers are always for new bookings only and are usually only offered when they're, you know, trying to fill empty cabins and are you know, they're not always offered. They're usually space available rates. So if there's a cruise that you really want to take, you could, I guess, in theory, take a chance and wait for a special offer to become available. But if you waited for it and it doesn't become available, then you run the risk of booking at a higher rate than what you could have gotten if you had booked when you first decided you wanted to, to take that cruise. And also you'd be subject to availability, you know, at, at the time that you're booking. The other thing about those special offers is that they are almost always restricted rates. So there are three restricted rate categories. There's inside rooms with restrictions, ocean view rooms with restrictions, and veranda rooms with restrictions. Or you, you may also hear them referred to as IGT, OGT, and VGT rates. These rates usually come with pretty pretty nice discounts. Um, the, the prices are usually pretty good. But they, they have a few restrictions that you'll want to be aware of. First, payment in full is due at the time of booking and is non-refundable. And second, no modifications or sale date changes are permitted. So if you book one of these rates, you'll need to be pretty much absolutely sure that you're going to take this cruise because you really won't have any recourse if you decide that you need to cancel it. The other big restriction is that you can't choose your stateroom. That will be assigned to you at a date closer to, to your cruise, but that one's you know less restrictive, if you will. So yes, it's possible that you could save money on a cruise you're thinking about, but hopefully that all gives you some context and some things to think about. And then I want to circle back to what I first recommended, that it's best to book as early as possible. One of the nice things that differentiates Disney Cruise Line about other cruise companies is that the payments you make toward the cruise are fully refundable until your final payment due date. So if there's a cruise that you think you really might want to take, you can make a deposit early on and take advantage of the lowest rate. And then, you know, if your plans change, you can cancel the reservation and still get your money back. So there's virtually no risk in putting a deposit on a cruise you're interested in and locking in at that, that lowest possible rate. Note that the non-refundable deposit does not apply to concierge category cruises. Um, but even if you booked a reservation in a concierge stateroom and your plans change, you'd still have the option to move the deposit to a different cruise without incurring any penalties or fees. So it's, you know, it still provides you with a, a decent level of flexibility. So now to bring it full circle, you could book your cruise on opening day, make a refundable deposit, and then you could keep an eye out for any special offers uh, on the cruise that you've chosen. So if you happen to see one come available, you could cancel your existing reservation, assuming that you're still outside of your final payment window, receive your refund, and then book the cruise again at that special offer rate. So that's you know, really one way to guarantee that you'll always be paying the lowest price. But once again, keep in mind that those special offers are definitely not offered on all cruises. And it's also possible that you, you won't be able to cruise in your desired stateroom category because those special offers are usually limited to certain categories, you know, within the inside stateroom, ocean view stateroom, and random stateroom designations. 
Another thing that people often reach out to me about is helping them choose a cruise. And a lot of people want to know which months are the cheapest or when the weather is the best, things like that. So if you're not confined by a specific set of dates, I, I came up with a, a number of different considerations to think about that might help you find the cruise that's right for you. The first is how much time do you have? Really, the easiest place to start when planning a cruise is knowing your travel dates. You know, if you know that, we can just look at the available options on the dates that you're looking to travel. But if you're more flexible, we, we might first want to start with the length of the cruise that you're thinking about. So if you know you only have a long weekend or if you're just not sure about cruising and you want to try it out, then, you know, a three day cruise might be your best option. If you're looking to combine a cruise with some other land-based vacation, then maybe it's a three- or four-night cruise. Or maybe you're looking for a week-long vacation and you want that whole week to be on a cruise ship. Well, in that case, a seven-night cruise would be great for you. So if you, you know, if you know how long you want to spend on board, it's a great way to eliminate hundreds of itineraries throughout a, a given time period. Maybe you don't have a uh, a preference about how long you want to you know you want the cruise to be. So another thing I would ask is, do you have any specific destinations that you'd like to visit? So a lot of first time cruisers really want to visit Castaway Key, to to which I would say that's a, a wise choice. But maybe you really want to go to Europe or Alaska, or you have some other specific destination in the Caribbean that you've been thinking about. That's also a good a, a great place to start in terms of narrowing down your uh, your options. Another factor might uh, might be what type of vacation do you want to have? Do you want to, you know, do you want one where you go somewhere warm and you just sit on the beach and relax? Or do you want something that's more port intensive where you're getting off the ship and, you know, experiencing local culture or, you know, taking port adventures to learn about the history of the places that you visit? So, you know, those are two different cruise vacation experiences. And so, so you know, some people are looking for one, some are looking for the other. Granted, there are some cruises where you know that can offer you both, but generally you can narrow down your options if you if you have a, a specific preference. I talked a little bit about pricing before, but there are peak and off-peak times of the year where pricing tends to fluctuate pretty significantly. Generally speaking, you know, which means there may be exceptions to this, the off-peak months are usually January, February, May, October. November and early December and prices tend to be a little bit lower compared to the peak times the summer months particularly on the fantasy along with school vacation weeks and major holidays are are definitely the most expensive so if you have flexibility with your schedule and you can you know schedule outside of those times of the year you're probably going to save yourself some money but you know the problem with that is that most people are are subject to their their kids' school calendars, which really makes it harder to cruise during the those off peak months. And unfortunately, Disney knows that and uh, adjusts their prices accordingly. So there you have it with some tips for selecting a cruise. So let's talk about choosing a stateroom. This is a, another topic that I I get quite a few questions about and you know it can cause some anxiety especially if you're if you're newer to cruising there's a lot of different stateroom options a lot of different choices and, and you know and then finding where on the ship to book your stateroom can uh, can 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 cause some anxiety so disney cruise line has four broad stateroom categories 
inside staterooms, ocean view staterooms, veranda staterooms, and concierge staterooms. And within each of those categories, there are a number of different options, which are, are mostly based on where the stateroom is located on the ship. And we'll get into all that in a second. A lot of people know before they even, you know, look into different options, which one of those categories they'd like to cruise in. But some people want to, you know, explore different options. Within the inside stateroom category, you have two options on most of the ships. You have a standard inside uh, stateroom and a deluxe inside stateroom. I say most of the ships because the Disney Wish only offers the standard inside option and doesn't have deluxe inside staterooms. And there's two main differences between the two. For one, the deluxe inside staterooms are slightly larger, so you get a little bit more square footage. But the main difference is the split bathrooms. This is something that Disney Cruise Line really revolutionized in the cruise industry. So in, in the deluxe inside staterooms, and in actually in all other stateroom categories except for the standard inside staterooms, you'll have two bathrooms in your room. One will have a toilet and a sink, and the other will have a shower and a sink. And it's really helpful to have both when your entire travel party is trying to get ready to go somewhere, especially since there's you know there's not a whole lot of extra space in a in a stateroom. For ocean view staterooms, generally speaking, there are two types. There are deluxe ocean view staterooms and deluxe family ocean view staterooms. And you could probably guess what the difference is between those two. The deluxe ocean view staterooms are slightly smaller and can accommodate up to four guests, while the family ocean view staterooms are slightly larger and can accommodate up to five. The family-sized staterooms will have a pull-down Murphy bed as the fifth sleeper, in addition to the sleeper sofa and the upper berth pull-down bunk, the one that comes out of the out of the ceiling. I also want to point out one additional stateroom type within the Ocean View category. It's the category eight A split layout, which is a deluxe family Ocean View stateroom. You'll find these staterooms on the Dream and the Fantasy, and I have always wanted to stay in one of these rooms. They're laid out almost like a suite in that they have sort of like two um, two separate living areas with two large portholes. Most other Ocean View stateroom categories either have one large porthole or two small ones, depending on where the room is located. So. If you look up pictures of those staterooms, they're they're really cool. Um, I think there's staterooms 5018 through 5022, 5518 through 5522, 6012 through 6016, and 6510 through 6514. So if you just do a Google search for you know one of those staterooms, and you'll see the pictures, and they're they're really cool. I've heard that they are really awesome and, and really highly recommended, but they also they also sell out very quickly on popular cruises. So if you might be interested in one of these categories, it's best to book them as early as possible. Within the veranda category, you start to get a little more variety. And, and once again, you have the deluxe ocean view staterooms with veranda that accommodate up to four guests, and then the deluxe family ocean view staterooms with veranda that accommodate up to five. I really am hoping that on one of these new ships, there'll be staterooms that accommodate, you know, families of six or more, but um, I'm not sure if, if that's ever going to happen. But anyway, the the smaller room categories have three different options. There's an undersized or navigator's veranda. There's an obstructed view veranda, and then there's, there's the standard veranda. The undersized verandas are going to be located forward or aft. The obstructive view verandas are all going to be located aft, 
and the standard verandas could be located pretty much all over the ship, you know, above, uh, on decks five and up. For the family verandas on the larger ships, there are really two categories to talk about. There are the standard family verandas, and then there are the deluxe ocean view staterooms with extended veranda that are located at the very back of the ship. On the Dream and the Fantasy, these are Category 4E. It's still not clear to me what category they are on the Wish, but I, I do believe they have these, these types of staterooms as well. But this is another stateroom category that books up very quickly, so it's best to reserve them as early as possible. These are my favorite cabins across the fleet. The verandas are very large, and it feels extra private because you, you, know, you have your own view out the back of the ship and i i would personally stay in one of these staterooms on every cruise if the option and budget were available they are they're amazing uh and finally if you have you know if you're looking for a concierge suite they'll offer several different types there's the veranda you know staterooms the one and two bedroom suites royal suites and even a tower suite on the disney wish once you've decided on the type of stateroom you'd like to book, the next thing to think about is where on the ship you want to be. Some of the stateroom categories are only offered in certain places, like the obstructive view veranda staterooms that I mentioned earlier. But for the most part, there are three things that you should consider. Forward, midship, aft, port versus starboard, and which deck you want to be on. So we'll start with port, midship, aft. It's pretty commonly accepted across the cruise industry that if you're, you're prone to motion sickness or if you, you think you might be, that a midship cabin on an upper deck is going to be the best spot for you. Personally, I'm not entirely sure that's true, but I also haven't been able to really test out the theory because my, my family, unfortunately, has, excuse me, fortunately, has not had issues with, with motion sickness. My personal opinion is that you'll feel the same effects of the ship's movements pretty much anywhere on the ship um for you know for the most part the ships are pretty stable but if if there are if there are rocky seas you'll likely notice that regardless of where you are on the ship but beyond the potential benefits from a motion sickness standpoint i tend to recommend midship or aft staterooms i feel like those are the ones that are really the most convenient to most of the places that you'll go on the ship Midship staterooms are usually the most expensive, so the aft staterooms, I think, are a great option. I would say that this is where my family tends to cruise the most. You may experience some noise from the engines and possibly some shaking inside your room, particularly particularly when um, when the ship is docking at a port and the you know the side thrusters have been activated. But but neither of those things has ever been a real issue for us. I love the aft cabins mostly because it gives me the most direct access to food, which is really always on my mind when I'm on a cruise. We don't cruise much in forward cabins, and, and when we when we have, we've we've always remarked that uh, that it's not our favorite. So I recommend midship and aft, but really anywhere on the ship is going to be great. The next consideration is starboard versus port or, you know, right versus left. And the easy way for me to remember which is which is that the word port has four letters in it and so does the word left. So, you know, port is left and starboard is right. There are other creative ways that people have come up with, but that's the easiest uh, for me. Anyway, I would say that in terms of a, a cruise experience, port versus starboard is not going to matter much, if at all, and especially not if you're booking an inside cabin. What I would say is you know i would recommend doing some research into how the ship 
approaches and docks at the ports of call that you'll be visiting and, and you know, plan your, your stateroom selection accordingly. For us, it's fun to have a nice view from our stateroom of the places that we're visiting, and which is, you know, which is why I always recommend booking a stateroom on the starboard side on a cruise that visits Castaway Key. Just because the the views of the island are great when the ship is docked there, and we like to spend some time out our, on our verandas after we we visited the island and just you know just kind of looking at looking at it. There are a lot of cruises now that'll be visiting Lighthouse Point next year, and I I've been getting a lot of questions about where to book staterooms for the best views. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't know the definitive answer to that yet, and can only guess based on renderings that we've seen of the of the dock at Lighthouse Point. Based on that, it seems like the port side will give you the best views, but that really, you know, remains to be seen. Hopefully we'll learn some more information about that soon. Beyond those two places though, I, I would I would say the same rule of thumb applies. For example, we we chose the port side for our recent Alaska cruise because I like the view of Ketchikan when the ship is docked there. And it you know it worked out well that we also got a great view of Icy Strait Point. So if if none of that matters to you though, then I would I would say that there, you know, there's no additional things to consider when choosing port versus starboard. And finally, you'll want to choose a deck, and throughout your cruise, you'll probably spend the most amount of time on decks three to five and on the uppermost deck. So that might factor into your decision. As a general rule, decks five and six tend to be a little noisier and have a, a higher amount of traffic due to their proximity to some of the public spaces on decks three, four, and five. The upper hospitality decks are obviously convenient to the pool decks, but on the larger ships, those can be a bit further to everything else. Personally, I love decks 7 and 8 on any of the ships. I, I feel like those decks are right in that sweet spot of convenience and price point. And I bet if I went back and looked at the other cruises that we've done in the past, a very high percentage of those would have been on one of those decks. And I know that all of my upcoming cruises are there too. Oh, I forgot one more thing you might want to consider if you're cruising on the Wish, you know, when it comes to booking, uh, choosing a stateroom and, you know, potentially even someday on the Treasure. The Wish has different stateroom themes depending where the room is located. So if you're really interested in one of the princesses like Cinderella, Aurora, Rapunzel, even Moana, you might choose a room based on that. However, I haven't been able to find a great resource that shows you which rooms are which. So if someone is aware of something like that, you know, something that shows you which rooms are themed to which princess, I would be really curious to hear from you about that. So after you've picked out your cruise and your stateroom, there are a few optional things you can add at the you know, at the time of booking, but you can also wait until closer to your cruise. I'll likely cover most of these things in a future episode, but I'm thinking of things like vacation protection, prepaid gratuities, ground transportation, pre or post cruise hotel stays, and even airfare. None of those things is, is required at time of booking, but something to keep in mind as you, as you continue to prepare for your cruise. Once your cruise is booked, there's a few more things you'll want to do before the next steps in the planning process. The first is choosing a dining time. So as you're probably aware, Disney Cruise Line has two different available dining times, main and second. Main dining begins at 545 and second begins at 815. When you book your cruise, it'll default to the second seating. So you'll need to change that either in your Disney Cruise account or by contacting your travel agent. Choosing one over the other does not mean that you'll miss out on anything. It's just a preference because of the way Disney uh, Disney does their dining rotations. The early dining time tends to fill up the quickest, so I usually recommend selecting main dining and then switching to second dining later on if you change your mind. 
if main dining is not available at the time of booking, you can be added to the wait list. And most people come off the wait list before their crew starts. But if not, there's, you know, there's ways to switch your dining time once you're on board. Another change you can make as it relates to dining is requesting a certain rotation. This is relatively uncommon, but if you know you'd like to eat at a certain restaurant more than once or, or that you'd like to start or finish in a certain restaurant, you can put in a request for a specific rotation. Custom rotations are not possible due to the fact that your dining team goes with you to each stateroom, uh, <laughs> excuse me, to each dining room. But there are three different rotation options that you can choose from on each cruise. And obviously requests are not guaranteed, but you know, they'll try to accommodate those. Once you've booked your cruise, you'll want to link your reservation to your Disney Cruise account online and in the Navigator app. So on the website, you just create or log into your account. Then in the upper right, you just hover the mouse over the, the already booked menu and then choose My Reservations. From there, you just enter your confirmation number and the other requested information and, your, and you know, your account is linked. It's pretty easy. And it's even easier to do in the Navigator app. You'll also want to link any reservations with any others that you may be traveling with. So this this will ensure that you are seated together at dinner and will also allow you to plan onboard activities and port adventures together. And speaking of that, if you plan to book things together with other linked reservations, you'll need to wait until the booking window for the reservation with the lowest Castaway Club status has opened, regardless of whether or not you're linked to someone with a higher status. So for example, if a platinum Castaway Club member is traveling with a gold Castaway Club member on a separate reservation, in order to book together, the two parties would need to wait for the gold Castaway Club booking date. So obviously the, the platinum member could book at, at their date, but they couldn't add the gold members until their booking window has opened. I, I hope that makes sense, but a lot of people ask about that. Once you've added your cruise to your account, there are a number of changes and special requests you can make on your own. Specifically, you can request to be seated at a private table or near a window or near the center of the dining room. You can request child amenities like pack and plays, bed rails, booster seats, high chairs. You can know any you know special celebrations or indicate any dietary preferences that you may have. These are all pretty simple things that you used to have to call about. So it's nice that they allow you to, to make these requests on your own. And then finally, my last piece of advice when it comes to booking a cruise is to book with a good travel agent and more specifically with one that offers onboard credit. There's a lot of value in working with someone who has a lot of experience and can answer your questions, but the actual monetary value that the onboard credit provides is, is a nice bonus. I'm sure there are many really good travel agents who offer great service but don't give onboard credit. There are also a lot of really good ones that do give onboard credit. So I, I feel like you'd be missing out on free spending money by not finding an agent with this extra perk. And if I could just go all in here and make my own sales pitch, I would really love to be your travel agent for your next cruise. As you probably know, if you're a fan of this podcast or if you just tuned in for the first time, I, I am obsessively aware of all the new developments with Disney Cruise Line. And I have you know a lot of knowledge, tips and insights from lots of personal experience and from working with hundreds of other families on their Disney cruises. I, I really think you'd have a great experience working with me. And oh, by the way, our agency has some very generous onboard credit offers. So if you're interested or even if you just have questions or would like more information, please send me an email. You can do that at Wes, W-E-S, at MickeyWorldTravel.com. 
And that's it for this third episode of the DCL 101 series. I, I hope you found it helpful and that, you know, this series overall provides you with some information that you may not have otherwise known. I have several more topics planned for this series, but if there's something specific that you would like to hear about, please reach out to me and let me know. And as always, thanks so much for listening. As a reminder, you can connect with the show by following along on Twitter at the DCL Dude or by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash DCL Dude Podcast. Please feel free to ask a question, leave a comment, drop a note, or share the podcast with your followers. I'd also be very grateful if you could rate the podcast on iTunes and leave a review. Of course, if there's anything I can do to improve your listening experience, please let me know. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for listening.